Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. The Women of Golf Show is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine with insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, helping you improve your game from tee to green. Good morning, welcome to the Women of Golf, the number one women's golf show around the world, with hosts Ted Odorico and Cindy Miller. Join them as they interview some of the best players from the Epson, LPGA and Legends Tour, and so many others helping to elevate women's golf. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Ted and Cindy. All right, good morning, everybody, and once again, welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside, of course, each and every week is none other than Legends Tour player and LPJ professional, Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts here on the Women of Golf. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are we doing? We are doing fantastic. We've got another great show lined up, and we're going to have our very uh, special guest joining us here, Aliyah. Abdulghani is going to be joining us from the LPGA's Epson Tour. And then you and I, a little bit later on in the show, are going to once again zip into the no BS zone. And we're going to talk about how to break 90. We're going to help some of the golfers out there as they get ready to roll into the summer uh, golfing season, see if we can help them break 90. But very, very good. But before we, we bring uh, Aliyah on, I want to ask you um, just a follow-up from last week's show. Um, I know we were going to try to see if we could get him on, but... Um, how did Jamie do in his 117-hole uh, event? Well, he raised, he... Uh, I think, $17,300 for Children's Hospital, and he made wow. 35 birdies and four eagles. Uh, so he was happy about that. And then he quickly went to a tournament, the Fisher's Island Invitational, over the weekend where he shot 73, 72, 69 and came in fifth. And he is now at Wingfoot going to play in the Anderson four ball. So he couldn't be on wow. today because he's a playing lunatic, yeah. even though he has a. He's, he's got to be a robot or something. Not... <laughs> I think I'd be having a, a week or two weeks nap after playing 117 holes, but Congratulations over the Children's Hospital. Obviously, I'm sure really appreciated that uh, that uh, those funds to to be raised. And but uh, how did he feel? I mean, he he had to be sore. Please tell me he was at least a little sore after playing well, that many he holes. Well, say I said I texted him the next morning. How are we doing? Sore? Where? All over. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes me feel that makes me feel a little bit better that he he's starting to feel a little bit of the pain that the rest of us feel. Uh, but yeah. that's great, great job, Jamie. And you, I know you're very proud of uh, you and both Alan are very proud of him for for doing all the things that he does. And what a great cause again, the Children's uh, Hospital. All right, we're going to bring on our, our guest, uh, Aliyah Aldugani. As I mentioned, uh, she's 23 years old and currently a native of Newport Beach, California. She originally was born in Malaysia. And her love of the game, Cindy, started at eight years old. Uh, she knew when she played her first tournament that she wanted to be a high-caliber professional golfer. 
And in her early years as an amateur, she had an amazing uh, opportunities to represent the United States in the Junior Ryder Cup and Junior Solheim Cup to play against some of the best players around the world. She also had an amazing opportunities to compete in prestigious amateur and professional events, including the Augusta National Women's Amateur, the USGA Women's Amateur, uh, Colorado Co-Bank uh, Women's Open, and the Women's Australia uh, Australian Masters for Amateurs, of course, and uh, was won the silver medal for her home country in the 2019 SEA Games. Uh, she currently, as I mentioned, is on the Epson Tour, uh, but she's also a former Trojan with the University of South Carolina. So, Cindy, let's welcome our very special guest this morning, Aliyah Abdulghani. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much so for having me. Oh, we're thrilled you're here. So, you said you're in uh, North Carolina. Tell us what you're doing there. Yes, uh, I just arrived in Kingston, and I'm just getting ready for the next Epson Tour event here that'll start in two days. So it'll be very exciting. Quite excited to start. Awesome, and uh, we understand that last week you had the opportunity to play in the U.S. Women's Team, uh, U.S. Women's Open. So, and it was your first major. I know uh, how difficult they can be. I've played in five of them. Tell us what your experience was like. The Women's Open was everything I expected. I, it was tough. It was all about testing your patience and being able to really stick with your game plan. And uh, I expect it was a wonderful experience to play my first major at Pine Needles. I really couldn't ask for any other experience there. I It was grueling. It was tough. But, you know, it just makes me – stick with this game a lot more and I'm really excited to get back into another major. That's awesome. Did you have the opportunity to stay on site? Yes, yes. I was able to stay on site and really get the full player experience that the USGA has helped build and it made it all the more fun. Isn't it just the coolest place ever? Yes, it is. And I'm lucky enough to have known Peggy Kirk Bell and and all the Bell family, it's just so, so unique and different. So congratulations. That's awesome. Ted? So, Aliyah, let me ask you, we'll follow up a little bit uh, on the U.S. Women's Open. Um, what did you find during the week there? What did you find the most challenging that really challenged your game, I guess is what I'm looking for, um, was it the putting, you know, short game? Was it, you know, keeping it in the fairway, holding the greens? What was some of the challenges that you really found? Um, and I'm sure there were many of them over the course of the week, but what were some of the, the real challenges that you found in, in your first major? Um, specifically for that course, it was definitely holding the greens. Um, those those greens are Donald Ross greens, very total back, so you got to aim for the center of the green all the time. And as simple as it sounds, it was very tough to hold the greens. Um, I got a chance to talk to a couple of the members out there that played before the tournament started, and they, they'd call it GVR, uh, greens visited in regulation, as the ball always <laughs> land on the green and roll off. Yeah, so I, it, it was tough, and as, as expected, they made the greens even more firmer throughout the week, so it's, holding the greens is definitely the biggest, uh, obstacle I faced during that week. Yeah, I, I would imagine. And, 
And you, you mentioned too that, you know, very narrow fairways, so you've got to be accurate. And, and I was, I was watching a video, uh, the other day when we confirmed that you were coming on, and I just wanted, I always like to get a little homework in that. And, uh, it was, uh, basically the gist of it was play like a pro, and they talked about your accuracy off the tee. You're pretty long off the tee, but, uh, very accurate. Is that the strong part of your game? Is your driving? Is that the strongest part of your game? And if not, what is? Um, driving, I would definitely say is an asset, but not the strongest. I would like I would like to consider my short game uh, and my putting to be the strongest. I I do have about an average yardage for driving distance, um, but I do like to consider myself a little bit more a specialist around the green. Hmm. Very interesting. Very good. Um, now, also, I mentioned that you played for USC. Um, how? Tell us how you found that experience, and how did you find the transition? Because obviously, when you're playing on the women's golf team, you're you're a group. I mean, even though you're playing individual um, uh, plays and so forth, you're still part of a group. But now, as you transition to sort of the regular tours, um, you're now on your own. You don't have the, the same cheering section behind you. Um, how did you find that? First of all, how was your experience at USC, and what did you learn from there? And then did you find it an adjustment now going to play on the Epson tour um, and not having your teammates there? Right. So, I, I like you said, I put all four years at, at USC out in the West Coast, and it was a wonderful experience, and they taught me so many things that I still use today. And one of the biggest things that I took away was being able to get that immediate feedback from practicing or playing a round of golf. And usually for most people, it's just a feel or maybe seeing it uh, with their eyes, like, you know, my putting just didn't feel good today or, you know, I didn't hit so-and-so green, so I should probably work on that. But USC gave me a system that allowed me to really be able to uh, check where my game was after every round, and if I got good enough at it, be able to make that adjustment even during the round. So mm -hmm. that has helped me a lot in being able to really understand what parts of my game need a little bit more work and what parts are really strength and what I don't need to work on so much for that week. And, yeah, that's, that's really the greatest thing that USC has helped me with in the four years that I've been with them. And then transitioning to the Epson tour, it's very, very different. You're always so used to traveling with five people, not including right. your coaches. It's a sense of a team and everyone does things <clears throat> together. You go out and have fun and such, but – now I'm, I'm traveling on my own, and once in a while my mother would come out um, to watch. But a lot of it is really being able to stay, like, with your schedule and being sure, like, you got to make sure you have a place to stay. you got to make sure you have a car and knowing where to practice and things like that. So a lot of it is that I've – it's like – Getting, it's giving you a car without the driver's license. <laughs> really, that's what it feels like, and I'm just trying to gauge everything on my own. And so far, we're doing good. So um, hopefully, I'll just keep going and just planning out tournament after tournament and playing well. So yeah, that's that's 
kind of been thrown in there, but we're doing well. Well, it sounds like USC prepared you very well for that transition. Um, and, you know, that's part of becoming, uh, you know, a young adult is, you know, you're, you're there with, you know, your teammates and your coaches and things like that. But now you've kind of got to take everything that you've learned and now you've got to sort of put it in practice literally when you we get out on your own and and it can be a little challenging and even a little daunting for some um but it sounds like uh, they did a great job in, in preparing you for that cindy go ahead what is the best thing what's the thing you like the most about playing professional golf oh I think I think the greatest thing about professional golf, and a lot of people may disagree with me, is because I, I love the week, the week by week play. We, we get some time off, but every week there's always a chance for you to do well, despite whatever has happened before. And I think that's really good because starting out, the beginning year and rookie season of, of turning professional is hard. We're we're out there trying to make money. We're traveling all the time and schedule gets really tough but every week there's always an opportunity to restart and and get refreshed about starting a new week and playing well at a different course so I, I think I think that's kind of a positive spin on on the lifestyle that we have and what's the thing you like least um it's a lot of traveling. <laughs> I, I'm I'm a big traveler. I I usually love traveling and visiting different places, but it, I I usually go. This is actually my fourth week of six weeks traveling, um, here. So it's it's definitely taking a toll, and I'm I'm just ready to go home. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Ted. Mm. So, Ali, I wanted to, to go back in time a little bit. Um, one of the things that I, I read out earlier on in the uh, in the bio was that you started at a very young age. You were eight years old when you first uh, sort of got introduced and, and really kind of fell in love with the game. And then there was a point when, after you played that first tournament, that was a defining moment for you. That was when you sort of said, you know what, this is what I want to do. What happened during that first tournament to sort of sway you in that direction? What was it about it? I mean, obviously you enjoyed playing uh, golf and, and enjoyed the challenges, but was there anything specific that really stuck out to you from at that time? And I know it's going back a few years uh, that really said, okay, this is what I want to do as opposed to something else. What was it in that moment that, that sort of the light bulb went on and said, this is what I want to do? Right. Um, I actually remember my very first tournament quite clearly. Um, it was definitely a big catalyst for me. Um, I played out in Aliso Creek. is a very small um, nine-hole course back back then when I started. And I remember playing with um, Andrea Lee, actually. We we all grew, to, grew, grew up together, excuse me, and we played the, that tournament. And uh, I remember losing horrifically i shot 92 i think and it was second to last out of five girls so um i i turned to my mom in that moment we were sitting in the car after the tournament finished and i told her like i know i can do so much better like this is this is what i want to do i can i can feel it and she's like okay all right then so yeah so it, it was a not not the usual catalyst for most but losing 
definitely got my com- competitive side to come out in golf. Well, and that's a great takeaway, you know, from that because, you know, you're right, that that is not a typical, I mean, most, you know, go through all the junior programs and get in and they're really, you know, sort of gung-ho. And you actually took a moment that was not probably your most shining moment as far as play went and said, you know what, rather than feeling defeated and this, you know, I shot a 92, what have you, um, this isn't for me, I'm going to find something else to do you rose to the challenge and decided, you know what, I know I can do better. And you, again, rose to that challenge and decided that this was something that you wanted to really give your best at. And obviously here you are, you know, some years later, and your your wish and your dreams are, are coming true. And I know you're still early in the journey, but um, you've already come a long way. So you have to, number one, feel very proud of that, that you, you did decide to stick it out. Um, where do you see, obviously you want some W's in the, in the, in the column, some wins, as Tiger always used to put it, um, but where do you see, what is it that's going to really keep you interested um, the most moving forward? Um, I think what's definitely going to keep me a little bit more engaged is the, the process of playing and, and going through because if, if you focus too much on the results trying to win all mm-hmm. the time and, and let's say you don't you end up getting second or third or, or maybe not even making the cut it gets it gets tiring and and of course if you, you'll get bogged down by it and you'll start to say like hey what's the point and all this stuff but mm-hmm. if you really focus on the process and and going through that small checklist of like hey did I hit well today? Did I go through my process today? Did I warm up properly today? And those checklists, as you go down the list through the day, it's so gratifying that it'll make you wake up every day and really enjoy the process of going out, playing golf, and hopefully the end result is winning or and things like that. But it's really just checking that tick in the boxes what's keeping me going every day. And it sounds to me, if listening to you, that you recognize that attitude is a lot of it too. It's not just obviously you have the skill or you wouldn't be where you are. You have, you have the ability to hit some great shots and, and string them together and have some great rounds. But you've got a very good attitude and you're also, I think, right on the money when it comes to um, – what's important out there. Um, Having said that, there's always going to be moments, and I'm sure you've already had some and and will continue to have some throughout your career um, as you you move forward, where, you know, sometimes the chips are down, the rounds are not there, the holes are not there. What do you say to yourself? What's the matter? And the reason why I'm asking you this is for a lot of our amateurs and especially young girls that might be listening that maybe are in that moment that want to do what you're doing, um, but maybe sometimes they have some bad days and they need to get themselves out of that slump, if you will. What do you say to yourself? What's the conversation that you have in your head, or maybe you speak out loud to yourself, that sort of helps lift you out of that pit and get you back on track? Oh, this is great because uh, this is what my mother and I also talked about. So um, I, I definitely had those days where it's just like, you know, this is this is tough, this is hard, maybe I should rethink it, and... She told me one day uh, when we were sitting down, she's like, you are one step 
closer to where you want to be because sometimes it takes some failure. Sometimes it takes for you to trip and fall to get closer, mm-hmm. but you're always one step closer. You're moving in the direction that you want to. So I think that was really the biggest thing that changed my attitude for it is like even though I'm having a bad day or round or tournament, I know I'm moving in the direction that I wanted to. And despite the result or how I performed, I am always moving one step closer. That's a great answer. And, boy, I not only like you, I, I think I like your mom, too. She sounds like a great mom. <laughs> She's got some good words of, of wisdom for you. Um, wouldn't you agree, Cindy? Go ahead. I would. I, w- I have a question that we haven't asked anyone recently. Tell us um, how much it costs you per week to play in an event. Like I, there's an entry for the entries, what's housing costs, caddy fees, food, lodging, all that stuff. All right. Um, I'll, I'll take you through this week for Epson out in Kingston, North Carolina. So um, I have a hotel room booked um, uh, for the week, and that's around $700, Um mm-hmm. Luckily, I'm able to have a travel buddy this week. I reached out to a couple of players, and they wanted to share. So we were able to split that. But mostly, I'm usually traveling by myself, so I'd pay the full $700. Um, car would any, be anywhere from 350 to 400 a week. That's just like a compact or an economy car that will fit myself. Or, um, like I said, this week I'm sharing with a travel buddy, so we'd be able to split. Um, and then, obviously, gas once in a while, so that'll be anywhere from 35 to 40 a pump. Um, food, I usually like to do groceries. That's a little bit more of a cheaper option that will help through the week. So groceries would be anywhere from 80 to 100 just to make it through. Uh, the whole week, maybe I'll stretch it for the last day. Uh, I'll get some takeout here and there. That'll cost $20. So for the whole week, groceries and takeout might be 140 to 160 for the week. And then flights, um, depending on how early or late you book your flights, uh, it can range anywhere from, you know, 300 to $600 if you're flying coast to coast or just across them. Um, Luckily enough, I was already here for the open, um, so I had a rental car and just drove out from uh, Pine Needles, which is uh, close to Southern Pines, all the way to Kingston, so that's about an hour and a half drive. Um, and, and yeah, and then tournament fees, uh, entering the tournament is 450 you got to buy a yardage book, that's $30, and practice rounds, so that can be anywhere from you know, five hundred, six hundred dollars in total just to play the tournament. So you do the math. That's a, that's a that's it's anywhere from two to three, two grand or yeah, two and a half grand for a tournament, and that's before you even hit the sea ball. So wow. Now, are you lucky enough to have sponsors? I am lucky enough to have. Um, not to say people that pay me to play, but they do provide me products. Um, so I get shoes, I get golf balls, hats, um, I get accessibility to change my clubs if I want to, but I do not have uh, people that pay me yet. 
so mm-hmm. my question is, where do you get the money to pay for all the fees? Have you made enough money to be able to support yourself, or do you have um, physical, uh, like my son and I, I had sponsors when I played, and I got so much money a week. There was a sponsorship right. consortium. Do you have that? Um, the money that I make from the last week is the money that I use for the next week. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I, I guess you'd say breaking even, barely. So I, it really does go down to like being able to perform and, and all the results, but I, I can't get too bogged down with that or else it gets too stressful. <laughs> right. So, so again, it's so important for you to think like your mother said, I'm one step closer and I'm learning and I know what I'm doing. So absolutely, I'm going to be your golf mother and you need to do what your <laughs> real mother tells you to do. Uh, yes, absolutely. I think that's Dad? some great advice. I think that's some great advice. And I also noticed too, and I'm, I'm assuming it's still active, that you, uh, and I'm sure a lot of the players, uh, especially starting out like you, um, you have a GoFundMe page as well, correct? Yes, yes, I do. So that obviously helps uh, for those that want to support and, and raise some funds to help you through uh, week to week. But yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, a lot of people don't realize. Now, one thing I want to point out, which has been really good for, uh, and I, I'm sure you probably are aware of this, but if not, I'm going to fill you in anyways. One of the really cool things that Epson did when they took over uh, a sponsor as the uh, principal sponsor of the tour was not only did they increase the purses uh, moving forward, but they also uh, arranged so that the entry fees and, and cost to play each week actually went down from from previous years. So that's helping you you ladies a little bit more um, to get into these tournaments a little easier. And I think uh, they deserve a, a certain, uh, certainly a, a round of applause, if you will, for, for coming through like that. Because it, it isn't easy, as you pointed out. There's a lot of expenses, a lot of challenges uh, financially t- that you have to deal with. But I think from what I've seen and heard, I think you're a talented enough young lady that I, I don't think you're going to have any issues moving forward. I think you're going to do very, very well. I think you're going to have a great career, and you certainly have a great personality. And um, I think your 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 mom is owed a, a great uh, uh, round of applause as well for doing a great job in raising you. <laughs> Thank you. She'd, she'd love to hear that. <laughs> so, well, you can you can let her listen to the tape a little bit later on. But, Aaliyah, we want to thank you very much for, for joining us this morning. And we know you've got to get moving and get ready for this week. Good luck this week. And just keep plugging away and just keep having that great attitude, and you're going to have a, a wonderful career. I'm, I'm very certain of it. Go out and win that uh, this week, and you can come back on the show next week. There we go. All right. <laughs> thank you so much. I appreciate there. it. All right, Aaliyah. You have a great week. Good luck. Thank you. All right, bye bye. All right, that was Aliyah Abdugani, uh, recent player from the uh, LPJ's Epson Tour, uh, getting ready to play in her next event. Very, um, you know, I, I think Cindy and I, and I, I imagine you saw a lot of this as well. I really liked her answer about how. You know she, what she is important. To her obviously she wants to win tournaments as as anybody that's playing, but she recognizes it's the process and not so much the results. 
um, that she's focused on. I think that's a, a good thing. What are your thoughts there? I, was, I, I didn't want to interrupt her, but I wanted to get your thoughts uh, on that, about her, her approach to things. I think it's spot on. What do you think? Uh, well, yeah, you can't think of results. Again, the pressure that's on her is unbelievable because she doesn't have money in the bank in case she doesn't mm-hmm. make the cut. Right. You know what I mean? So it's week to week. Like, i got to hit this shot or I can't play next week. Yeah. Or I've got to charge it all, and now I'm in debt. It's just very, mm-hmm. very difficult to make it. Very difficult to make yeah. it. So God bless her. And you can't think result. You have to swing and hit the shot that's mm-hmm. right before you. So totally yeah. agree. And, and I'm – yeah, and I imagine her family helps, you know, as best they can. I don't know what their situation is, but I'm sure, you know, if she's going to USC and, and so forth, and she may have gone on scholarships, I don't know. But um, obviously I'm sure her family is, is helping to support and, and you know, maybe uh, friends of the family and so forth. But, yeah, for the most part she's got to do it on her own. But, you know, what I think that's good, though, I think, um, you know, obviously ideally I think as, as her career develops and as she gets more noticed out there, you know, the sponsors will come flocking, I'm sure of it. Um, but I think it's good sometimes, um, you know, one of the other interesting points that she made was that, you know, her mother said to her that, you know, basically, and I'm just paraphrasing, but, you know, that it's important for her to learn from the bad times because that's what's going to help propel her moving forward. So when she doesn't, you know, isn't successful on that hole or doesn't have a good tournament, there's some defining moments that she can take away that's going to help propel her, um, you know, into the next event and so forth. So I think that's very, very good advice. And I think, you know, the fact that her, it sounds like her, and I'm sure probably both her parents, but um, her mother obviously is a voice that's important for her to hear. And the fact that her mother is not, uh, you know, just saying, well, you know, you give it a try this week and if it doesn't work out, well, then go do something else. She's, she recognizes as well that her daughter um is not only passionate about doing this, but obviously has the drive and the determination to make it happen. And she obviously believes very strongly in her daughter, and I think that's great. And it doesn't sound like she's, you know, pushing and prodding and things like that. She's letting her learn on her own the experiences and then is there as a support as opposed to, um, you know, a thorn in the side is a word. You know what I'm talking about because you've mentioned this many times on the show that sometimes parents can be a little bit overbearing and that can be detrimental to, uh, uh, you know, to that young uh, uh, player. So, but um, very interesting. It'd be interesting to see how she makes out. And as I said, I've watched a few of the videos that she's been involved in and she's a, she is a really good ball striker. And, and, uh, and I like the fact too, one last point and then we'll move on, is the fact that she recognized the importance of the short game and obviously focuses a lot because that is her strong area. So it's going to serve her well in in the long term, I agree. All right, we're going to take a quick break and hear a message from Golf Tips Magazine, and then we're going to come back, Cindy, we're going to zip into the no BS zone, and we're going to see if we can help some of the golfers out there break 90. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple-to-follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. 
Don't miss a single issue. Go to golftipsmag.com and subscribe today. All right, uh, welcome back. We're now going to enter into the no BS zone and talk about how to break 90. And Cindy, you know, as we roll into summer months, especially uh, for other parts of the country like where you are, where the weather's been warming up now for a little while and people are getting out and playing and, and wanting to do that, there's a lot of golfers that um, maybe play a pretty decent game, but they're still struggling a little bit. And maybe this year their goal is to break 90, to get down into the 80 somewhere. And uh, we're going to try and see if we can help them do that. And I think one of the things, and it's kind of a takeoff of what we were talking about, is last week, obviously, we talked about the importance of being a good ball striker. But I think also their thought, their thinking process has to be differently. Um, And I think sometimes just thinking differently can do a lot to reach the goal of breaking 90 um, without actually even changing your swing. Now, I'm not saying that you don't have to work on it if there's issues, but I think sometimes your attitude can play a role as well. What do you think? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah. You know, I mean... Yes, 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 yes. Again, I... Mean, I <clears throat> you know, think yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. You've got to think the right way. And um, so many people come in for a lesson. I got to hit my driver longer. No, you don't. What do you mm-hmm. shoot? A hundred? Uh, then why do you need to hit your driver farther? So, yeah, I'm not going to interrupt you, but that's my my pet peeve, if you will. I need you to think smarter. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's... It's so true because, and this is, again, the point that I was trying to make about Aaliyah was that her attitude is in the right place. Um, you know, she knows she's going to have some, some bad rounds. She knows that there's going to be some bad holes and, and so on and so forth. But she's programmed herself, you know, with the help of those, you know, great teach, uh, you know, teachers at USC and, and also, you know, people close around her and, probably some of her fellow competitors that she's buddied up with and that over the time have caused her to think differently um, and recognize, okay, you know, I know I'm going to have a bad round or I'm going to have maybe a bad hole here and there, but that's okay. It, I'm not going to allow it to affect the process. And so she stays focused on the task at hand. And that doesn't mean that she's not continually striving to improve her physical game, but it means that she's getting her mindset in a, a good place so that she can handle those diversities because that's part of growing up as, as a young adult, as I mentioned. But it's also, um, you know, there's nothing worse. I don't know how many times, and Cindy, I'm sure you've seen this, where people will come in for a playing lesson. And the first thing they say, well, you know, I'm probably going to slice it into the trees, but, you know, hey, well, at least we'll get it down there a little ways. You know, they'll already come in with a preconceived notion that they're going to fail. And that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. So I think changing, number one, I think changing your thought process and, and making it into a more positive, even if you don't have a great result, I think is, is uh, you know, partway into the battle. Something else, too, is playing bogey golf. Um, you know, we, we've talked about this before on the show, and adding one to the par of every hole. So establishing a new par instead of, you know, is helping to alleviate that, that pressure. So in other words, just to give you an example, um, you know, turning a par five into a par six, a par four into five, and three into four, of course. Um, I think that can help alleviate uh, the pressure. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, that that's the actual par on the scorecard, but 
taking that pressure and not making, say, a three, a par three, turning it into a par four, makes it a little bit easier. I think it's a psychological thing. What do you think about that? I know you've talked about this before. I think that's a good idea, especially for high handicappers that are really struggling with their game, is to take some of that pressure off of them. What do you think? Totally agree. So if you bogey every hole and par is 72, you just shot 90. Yep. So, it, again, it's simplifying and, and be aware of your thoughts. One of the things I watch is the final round of a tour event is not only the person that wins, but the person that loses. And then I watch them the next few weeks to see if they have the opportunity or choose to take the opportunity to learn from their mistakes. And it's almost always their thoughts become outcome thoughts instead of process thoughts. And you have to blow it a few times to be able to be slapped up against the side of the head to say that's the wrong (laughs) thought in this situation, Mm -hmm. right? And the Mm -hmm. more... That's what golf teaches you. You can't think outcome or I want to win. you got to think process. And, again, sometimes it's your week and sometimes it's not. Like Minji Lee, you know, hit a shot on 16 or 17 this past week that hit the tree on the left that kicked out into the fairway, way down the fairway, so she had a wedge into the green. And, right. you know, Morgan said, oh, when it's your week, it's your week. Well, that's so true and everything needs to fall into place so you can't try to make something happen and once you learn that and you understand that you have to think the right thoughts it just makes it so much easier because you can just surrender Mm -hmm. don't you think yeah yeah exactly you you, you've got to focus on the right things there's always going to be challenges and that's one of the beauties of golf that's one of the things i've always really loved about golf i mean i've you know, started at a very young age. My father, you know, took me to the golf course when I was very young and, you know, sort of taught me the game. And, and um, that's when I was sort of bitten by the bug. And for me, those challenges were what was really kind of fun in the game. But at the same time, you know, one of the things that he always said to me was that, you know, you're going to have those struggles and things like that, but it's how you know, what goes on between the ears is what's going to really define whether you're going to be a better player or not. And so, yeah, you've got to be realistic and you've got to be able to um, do well under pressure, certainly. I mean, if you want to be a, an accomplished player. Uh, but if you just want to break 90, sometimes just lifting that pressure off. And I'm going to read out a few things, um, and you're certainly welcome to, to comment on any one of them. But I'm just doing it for, for time, obviously, because there's quite a few points here. One of the other ones I, I really like is get the first putt within three feet of the hole. So once you're on the green, uh, the first putt's goal will be to get it within three feet, if, especially if you're, you know, maybe you've got a 20, 30-foot lag putt. Um, that should your, be your goal is to get it within that three-foot um, circle, if you will. Obviously, if it goes in, great. Um, and that's going to help lead to two-putting every green, which, again, is going to help eliminate some of those three putts because that's where people get into a lot of problems. Get your chips within six feet of the hole. Give yourself a good chance of getting up and down uh, is another one. Uh, never miss the green inside 35 yards. So if you're 35 yards out, you want to make sure that you get on the green somewhere, even if it's going to give you a long leg putt. That means that um, not to always go at the pin, just get somewhere on the green because you increase the chances of just that two putting. And really what stymies a lot of people, Cindy, is they're three putting a lot of greens because they're not getting on there. 
uh, or they're getting way away. So, um, and something else too that I like is putt first, then chip, and then pitch. So given a choice between these three shots, choose in, in this order. Um, anything you want to comment on any of those points? And if I need to repeat one, uh, by all means, I'm happy to do it. But do you agree with, with the premise of, of what I've just said in, in some of these points? I do. I do. Again, it, try to make it as simple as possible. And so many people are trying to hit the ball and not swing the club. I just, I, you need to know what you're doing with the club to be able to tell the ball where to go and use your right. brain. Again, you have to blow it a few times, right? Just to yep. know what you're doing, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I agree with everything they're saying. And and uh, another one is knowing your club distances. Um, you know, if you know you hit your ball right or left, um, you know that's one thing. Uh, but if you know that you make can make clean contact, you better know your distances because you can uh, you can uh, adjust for a left to right or a right to left ball sw- uh, ball flight. But if you don't know how far, on average, you're hitting that club then that puts you in a position of a disadvantage because if you've got 150 yards to the green and you don't know what club to pick out of the bag, then you're in a situation either more than likely for most amateurs, they end up coming way short uh, is typically. Um, But there are some too that end up going very long um, and over their target because they don't know how far they hit. So uh, that's one for sure is, is knowing the distance that you hit with each club. And there's ways of doing that. We've talked about that before. In fact, I think we touched a little bit last week. Here's one too, Cindy, that I think is important. And that is take trouble out of play. So if there's a possibility that a ball can get in the water or out of bounds, take that possibility out by laying up. The goal here is to get rid of the really bad triple bogeys or higher on, on holes. And here's something I saw, and I, I can't think of the gentleman's name, but he was on the PGA Tour, and I watched it on uh, I think it was last week one day, and he did uh, from the same distance, I think it was about 165 yards to the hole, and there was uh, sort of trouble out just in front of the green. It was like a, a, a wetland area that was out in front. And what he did was he played three different shots for three different level golfers. So he said, okay, I've got 165 yards to the green, but if I'm a high handicapper and I'm not confident I can hit that distance, then I'm going to lay up before that trouble area because it's only, uh, I think it was 35 yards, if I remember correctly, to carry over to get onto the bunker, and I'm pretty confident I can do that. So he said, if I'm you know, a 20, 25 handicapper, I'm going to lay up to that position. There's a great layup area, so I'm going to you know, pull out whatever club that I'm going to lay up to that position that gives me that 35-yard pitch shot over the, the trouble into the, into the green. And then, you know, the next one, he said, okay, you know, I'm a little bit better player, but I still can't go for it, so I'm going to play it over on this, you know, fat part of the green. So basically, it becomes down to strategy. And I think taking that trouble out of play rather than trying to play a hero shot is extremely important. And I think you would agree with this, that this is where a lot of amateurs and why they, as it pointed out, they're getting into triple bogeys or higher on a lot of holes is because they don't know how to strategize when they come, on, uh, come up to a situation like that. What are your thoughts? Well, I agree. Again, you've got to plan what you want to have happen. 
and you got to know where you want the ball to go, what you want to do with the ball, and where you want to play from that next location. And it's so difficult if um, if you don't know what you're doing and you're not thinking. So I think the game teaches you such lessons because you're going to blow it a few times, and then hopefully you learn, and you're like, oh, last time I did this, I did a stupid thing, and I went over here, and now I'm just going to, mm-hmm. you know, play. So absolutely, definitely, you've got to know what you're doing and, and and plan where you want the ball to go. And if you're 150 right. yards away on your second shot and you can't get there or you don't like your three wood or if that's what you have to hit, well, then hit two seven iron. You know, do yep. something helps you feel better. Yeah, exactly. And, it, and it, it's, a, it's a mindset because – Again, I think a lot of people put undue pressure, and you know, just to give you an example, and I'm going to read a, you know some more of these here, just to, again to, in, in uh, lieu of our time. Um, you know, if if you find yourself in trouble, just get out. So, in other words, it means if if I hit in the trees, just punch it back to the fairway rather than trying to shoot a gap, you know, towards the pin and remaining in trouble if uh, if you miss it. I mean. You know, when I was in Pinehurst, there were a couple of times where I hit a bad shot and I'd end up, you know, maybe just inside the tree line a little bit, um, which annoyed me to no end because I knew I was better than that. But, you know, I hadn't played the course before and, and, uh, you know, I tried to go for some when I shouldn't have probably gone for it and it didn't pull it off. And what I recognized, even though there were some openings, I said, you know what, the smart play here is for me to play it back out and give myself a better opportunity, get myself back out into the fairway, whether it's punching sideways or maybe advancing a little bit um, where I've got a, a generous open that I know I'm not going to find myself. I don't have to worry about trying to hit it low or high or whatever. I just get it back out into play. And even if I lose a stroke and end up with a bogey, I'd rather have that than try some hero shot and you know end up you know wrapping off two or three trees and then having to be in the same situation or worse. So... Um, and the same thing with bunkers, you know, Cindy, get out of the sand the first time. Just get it out without wasting strokes. So in other words, if you're not a really good bunker player, don't try to finesse some shot on, you know, out of the bunker onto the green. Just get it out. Get it out of the sand. And even if you don't quite get on the, on the green, maybe you end up on the, on the rough or on the, the fringe of the green, that's better than being stuck in the bunker again. Um, you know, again, this falls down to, to strategy. Uh, and I think when it comes to, uh, again, going for the green, we want to aim for the biggest part. If you're a high handicapper and you're not that accurate with your irons, even your short irons, don't try to go for the pin, especially on some of these uh, courses nowadays where the greens are very undulating. Um, you know, uh, we see people all the time, they go, oh, I'm going to go for the pin, and the pin's in a very difficult spot, and the next thing you know, they've rolled 30 feet down uh, into some swale or right off the green. Um, what are your thoughts on, on the last few points that I just made? You need to know that there are consequences to your behavior. And in the yep. game of golf, there are huge consequences. So if I were you, I would just take a chill pill and try to play smart and, and go play nine holes alone and, and yep. play two different make balls. And say, okay, one ball is going to be my go for it and my risk, and 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 the other ball is going to be my play it safe ball and see what you shoot. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a great 
you know, little thing to try to do when you're out playing. Most people don't ever go play alone. I go play alone a lot because I want to understand what I'm doing and I want to learn from my mistakes and know what I'm thinking. And I practice thinking so I know what I'm going to think when I'm playing, when it counts. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. And, you know, what I started doing since I came back from Pinehurst, you know, because you and I, Cindy, I know, it, uh, I know you're still active and playing, in, you know, in tournaments uh, when the opportunities come up. But, you know, I don't get as, as much time to play as I'd like to anymore just because, you know, between teaching and, and doing other things, uh, I just don't get as much time. And you know, you know what I'm talking about. So what I've made the commitment is uh, up at the local course here, they've got a par three. And I've made it, you know, I've said to, okay, what I noticed when I was at Pinehurst was that I was uh, struggling a little bit with my short game. Because you, you don't lose it entirely, but when you're not playing all the time, that touch kind of slips away a little bit until you get going again. And, um, and again, you don't always get a chance to, to even tune up at the, at the range. So what I decided to do is I, I said to myself, every Saturday morning, I'm going to go, I'm going to get up early, I'm going to hit a few balls on the range to warm up, and then I'm going to play that nine whole uh, par three course every Saturday morning and it's to really focus on my short game and there's some t- cases where what I will do believe it or not is I will intentionally especially on the shorter holes I will intentionally miss the green you know right or left or whatever so now I've got a chip so I'll actually force the uh, shot I'll even actually sometimes I'll hit towards the bunker hoping I'm going to land in the bunker so I can work on all parts of my game um, and it's not to you know to forced to shoot a bad score but it's to say okay you know what there's going to be times when i'm not going to hit the green where i want it to go or i'm going to hit a shot that's not going to come off the way i want it so i need to know how how do i recover from that and that's been my goal and that's going to be my goal this summer is to work on that short game uh and get you know things back up to snuff but um i strongly uh, you know i agree with what you said i think you need to get out there by yourself away from your you know buddies i'm not saying don't play with them but if you really want to work on your game, you need to do that. And we're going to talk about very quickly here, I'm going to read off some things that you can do. So that was sort of an overall. There are some other points there. Um, you know, uh, choose consistency over distance. You know, if you have to club down, use a three-quarter swing. Use the bump and run. Choke up if you have to. Swing at 70% power or do whatever it takes to be consistent. Get a perfect grip and setup. This is the easiest way to, to get perfect every time. Um, but here's a practice plan. Now, you don't have to go, again, everybody's timing is different, so you adjust accordingly. But here's, I'm going to go real quick because we're, we're getting close. Um, putting. Putt 100 four-foot putts, hold them per week. So you want to hold four-foot putts 100 a week. Now, obviously, that's a big number, uh, but the idea is you want to, that's a goal that you want to set. So maybe you chop it in, in half, maybe you chop it in quarters, whatever, whatever number works for you. I'm just reading these as a generic uh, uh, thing here. Uh, 220-foot putts. So a, a good amount, let's say we'll keep it at 25. So 25 20-foot putt, leg putts within three feet per week. That's your goals. You want to do that on the practice uh, area. Chipping, uh, again, 25 15-yard chips within six feet per week. Pitching, uh, again, whatever number you select, 35-yard pitch, uh, pitch shots on the green per week. Bunkers, 50 balls out on the first uh, time per week. That is your goal that you want to set for bunkers. You want to get 50 shots out, uh, 25, whatever it is. Irons or hybrids, 
half a bucket per week to determine your distances. So what you want to do is you want to spend half of that time not just focusing on you know, what shot you're hitting, but to understand your distances. And there's a lot of great apps and there's a lot of great technology out there that will help if you're not with your teacher at the point to, to help you there. And all your clubs, half bucket per week to practice your perfect grip and setup. So go through your pre-shot routine. Make sure your grip is sound. Make sure that you're practicing with a perfect grip and make sure you're setting up to the ball correctly. The ball position is correct. You've got the right uh, posture and so on and so forth. And misses, uh, this is where you want to get uh, swing analyzed by a professional to determine cause and then determine at-home practice drills to fix misses and practice daily. You can practice every single day without even having to go to the golf course if that's not in your wheelhouse. There's things that your coach or your teacher professional that you can work with will help you put together some things that you can be working with. Whether it's working on your grip, whether it's working on your posture in front of a mirror at home, there's a lot of things. There's absolutely no excuse, and you can do it as little as 10 or 15 minutes a day. Um, and the last one is record a video of your swing, obviously with the help of your uh, professional, when hitting your worst misses and get some help uh, from your local pro on these areas uh, where work is needed most. Um, I think that's a pretty good practice plan. Again, you can mix it up any way you want, but I think if you want to break 90, um, you need to have a plan, number one, and you need to make sure that you stick to that plan and that you're consistent with it. Your final thoughts? I don't have any. You covered them all and did a great <laughs> job. It was perfect. Well, you know, I think it's 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 a matter of, uh, again, everybody, the, the biggest excuse I hear is, well, I don't have time and I don't. That is, as no pun intended, that is BS. You can make time and it, I mean, people will do, um, you know, if you're watching five hours of Netflix a day, chop off 30 minutes and use that to work on your game. If you truly want to be a better player, um, and again, if it's just breaking 90 is all you want to achieve, you can do it with the points that we talked about. And uh, again, a practice plan. And if you don't want to do this entire practice plan all in one setting, break it up. Pick two of them. Do two of them each day or or two of them you know, go out a couple times a week and do that. Some of them you can do at home. If you've got a, a backyard, you can, uh, or a, a carpet, you know, a, a low carpet, obviously not shag carpet, but, uh, um, you know, like an indoor-outdoor carpet, you can practice your putting right at home. You don't need to go to the to the range. And it just gives you an idea to feel and, and so forth. So there's no excuse. And always, always, always connect with your, your local teaching professionals. Search them out. Have a discussion with them if you haven't worked with one before. You know, ask around, find out about them, make sure they're qualified, and make sure that they're, you know, it's somebody that you're comfortable with, um, and that sort of speaks the same language as you do, in the sense that they understand and are willing to listen. Make sure that they're listening to what you have to say, and if you connect with them, they will help put you a plan. Maybe something very similar to what we're talking about. But if you put these points together, Cindy, I think that anybody if they're serious about breaking 90, can do so very easily this summer. I think there's no excuse except for the excuse that you make, and I think that's how we should end it. Great show, Cindy. I, I love this. I, yeah, I think it's uh, attitude is everything, and I think we, uh, we just have to make a commitment to um, make changes in, in our approach to, to things, everything in life, but particularly our golf game if we want to improve. But on that note, uh, again, a special thanks to Aliyah Abdugali. Uh, Abdul Kali, Gany, sorry 
from the LPGA's uh, Epson Tour. Uh, thank you again for joining us this morning, and uh, hope you learned something from uh, our No BS Zone uh, conversation this morning. Go to uh, blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf if you missed part of the show or any of the show, and you can listen to the recorded version afterwards. But on behalf of Cindy Miller, I'm Ted Rico. Thank you both. Uh, thank you, everybody, excuse me, for uh, joining us this morning on the Women of Golf. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Ted. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's Women of Golf show. Ted and Cindy wish to thank this week's special guests. Remember to join them every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the iGolf Sports Network or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. To get updates on the show, you can follow the Women of Golf Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash women of golf. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.